Well, it's good to be back, eh? Look at all your friendly, smiley faces. <laughs> well, some faces. No, you've all got friendly, smiley faces. I love all your faces. How are you all doing? Good to be back? Yeah, it's good to be back, eh? No more, no more restrictions. It's just open. We can come and we can worship freely and we can all be together. It's pretty special. But also a huge welcome again to those who are joining us online. God bless you. And um, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. I just want to reiterate that welcome as well. Um, look, we're, we're doing an exciting series at the moment uh, leading up to the weekend that we celebrate as Easter, which is next week, next weekend. Next weekend, isn't it? Next weekend. <laughs> I better get that right. And so we're doing a theme called The Road to Hope. And we're doing a theme where this road to hope is just centered around Jesus, centered around these steps that lead up to his death on the cross and his resurrection and who he is and what that means to us as believers and the hope that we can have uh, with that. So it's an exciting series and I'm um, certainly privileged and it's a great pleasure to be able to, to speak this morning. And so my message this morning is about what we're celebrating today and that is Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. And I've just titled it Our Humble King our humble king. And so it's a significant time of year, isn't it? It's a significant time where we look to Easter, we look to the very central core or the, the crux of our Christian faith. And that's Jesus, that's, that's who he is, that's the person of who he is, but it's his death on the cross and his resurrection. And as we, we look to that, we, it's literally a lens that we look through with all scripture and we look to God through that lens now as we step into what's known as the new covenant, as we step into that faith in, in Jesus Christ. We look at that very moment. So it's such a significant time of year as we look to that. And it is like that, isn't it? It's like we're putting a, a microscope or a lens on Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And, and we celebrate it historically, but it's so special. It's like a refresher. It's like a just we look at that a, a bit more and we concentrate on that. And there's no doubt it's, a, it's a, such a special um, time of year. It's a time that's filled with, with tremendous, unshakable hope. It's a time that's filled with celebration and thanksgiving. And it's also a time of contemplation, of reflection, um, of actually uh, looking at that and looking at Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection and then looking at our lives and what that, that means for us as believers. So it's a, it's a special, special time. And I've just got a question to start off for you. So a question that I want to bring to you is if you had to think about one thing about God, you know, one aspect about who he is, one aspect about Jesus that just leaves you in awe, that just leaves you speechless, that just leaves you over, overwhelmed and just within you've got praise, glory and honour and thanksgiving for him. You know, what, what would that be? What would that aspect of him uh, be? It's something that I've been thinking about over recent times, over recent years quite a lot and, um, and as I think about it now and as I look back uh, over recent years, that my answer still remains consistent. You know, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the very essence of completion and perfection. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our almighty and sovereign 
God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the all-conquering one of sin, death, hell, and the devil. He is the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. He is the Lion of Judah who will rule and reign. He is all-knowing and all-powerful. He is holy and perfect. He is the light, and in him there is no darkness at all. His beauty is beyond comparison. His glory is his, and he gives it to no other. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is brilliant. He is majestic. He is wonderful. He is amazing. He is glorious, and yet in all of this, he's humble. He's humble and lowly. And, and that leaves me speechless. That leaves me overwhelmed. That leaves me in awe that he is a humble God in all of that. He cares. He cares about the humble and lowly things. He cares about me. He cares about you. He cares about our details in life. And that, that leaves me amazed. It leaves me amazed. So let's, let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you so much for who you are. And Jesus, the goal this morning is really to see you lifted up, to see you glorified, to see you made known, to see you perhaps even in a, in a different way, in a different aspect that we haven't thought about, that we would see you in a different way, that we would see you in a different light. But God, that you would be glorified, that you would be lifted up, that you would be honoured and praised because you are worthy of all honour, praise and glory. God, it is due to your name not because we have to, not because we're on compulsion to do it, because of who you are, because you are worthy. And I just pray that as we look at this message together, as we look through your word together, as we look around what we celebrate as Palm Sunday, that we would get such an understanding and revelation of who you are and your nature, and that may we lift you up and glorify you. Maybe May we also be the ones that say, Hosanna in the highest. Praise to you, our wonderful Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, we're celebrating this day called Palm Sunday. It's known to some as the beginning of Holy Week, uh, where we enter into what celebrate also as the, as the Passover, where the Israelites and the Jewish people were, were freed from Egyptian, Egyptian slavery. Um, and we also know it, obviously, as, as Easter coming up. Uh, as we celebrate Good Friday and as we celebrate on the third day when Jesus uh, rose again. And, but this particular day, known as, as Palm Sunday, is a significant event. It's a very significant event. You know, approximately about a week, week before, obviously, um, Easter happens. And so this Palm Sunday is all about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem that was prophesied hundreds of years ago before the event by the prophet of Zechariah. And it prophesies him being recognized as the Messiah, as the, the King of Israel, as our Lord and as our Savior, and how he would enter into Jerusalem. It's a prophecy of him being our Messiah and our Lord. And so I'm going to read uh, the scripture of that account, and we find that in Matthew chapter one, uh, chapter 21, starting in verse 1. And it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, Bethphage, struggled, I, I listened on YouTube to try and pronounce that, and I've forgotten how you pronounce that, Bethphage, 
at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. Then they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. What an amazing uh, picture that is. What a beautiful picture that is, that is fulfillment of prophecy of, of the prophet Zechariah from hundreds of years ago. And what an amazing picture it is of the humility of God. How humble, our wonderful Savior is. What would be fitting for a king? What would be fitting for King Jesus? What would be fitting for the King of Kings and, and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ himself, to come in and announce himself as the Messiah, as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, into Jerusalem, this triumphant uh, this triumphant entry is, is the subtitle in the, in the Bible. What would be fitting for that? Well, for me, I would think he'd need to be arrayed in, in royal garments. He should have a crown on his head. He should have uh, royal jewelry. He should come in, perhaps a, he should come in a chariot. He should have a parading band or orchestra behind and in front. He, he should maybe have a majestic horse that he rides on. He should, and that horse should have royal coverings over it, you know, he should no, no expense, no effort, no organization would be fit for a king like Jesus. But in the, in the scripture, in the text, there's no mention of a chariot. There's no mention of a parading orchestra. There's no mention of royal garments. It's recorded there in Matthew chapter 21 and prophesied from the Zechariah hundreds of years ago that he came into Jerusalem lowly and riding on a donkey. Let's just, pause, let's just pause for a minute and let's just picture that scene. Let's just picture that scene. You know, if it hadn't been for the multitudes upon multitudes praising and singing, crying out, Hosanna in the highest, the son of David, which means an emotional, intense expression of save us now, save now, pointing to him as the, as the saviour, if it hadn't been for all the commotion around it, if it hadn't been for that and the whole city moved, what would we have seen? What would we have heard? If we could take away the cries and probably deafening cries of Hosanna in the highest from multitudes upon multitudes, we've got to remember the whole city of Jerusalem was moved by this to said, who is this? Who is this that's coming in? If we take that away, all we would have is Jesus just in his normal attire and his normal things that he would wear, 
on, the, on a donkey, holding the, the mane of the donkey or holding the reins of the donkey, leaning over, and all you would have heard was just gentle trotting from the donkey, slowly walking up the path. I mean, what a humble saviour we, we serve. You know, we don't need to dress Jesus up. We don't need to dress the gospel up. You know, he is who he is. And he can come on, a, on lowly and on a, on a donkey. He doesn't need any pretense. He doesn't need anything. He is worthy of praise just of who he is. There was no orchestration. There was no, uh, from him in terms of a band, or there was nothing orchestrated from Jesus as such to create commotion. All the, all the commotion and the praise was created around him. He didn't need to create it because he is, he is enough. And that humility just staggers me. As said, we have approximately a week or so until we celebrate Good Friday and we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And there was a slightly, there was a different entry, wasn't there, on Good Friday. There was a different entry than Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And this entry looks a whole lot different. Here we have Jesus and he's been wounded and bruised and chastised and beaten. And now he's carrying a cross up the road to a place called Calvary where he's going to be crucified. And we have another prophet, prophet Isaiah, again hundreds of years ago before the event, and it's recorded in chapter 53, verse 7, and it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You know, Jesus was the very one, he was the only one, he was the very one that as he was carrying that cross, as he was walking up to that road of Calvary, as he was being beaten by and bruised and chastised, he was the very one that could have said, I don't deserve this, I don't deserve any of this, you've got the wrong person, do you realise who I am, do you realise what you're, you're doing, I don't deserve any of this. But the humility of our God and of our Saviour is that he did not open his mouth. He did not object. He did not retaliate. In fact, the Scripture says that he humbled himself even to death on the cross. That's our Saviour. You know, that's our Lord. That's Jesus. That's how amazing he is. High and lifted up. Creator of the heavens and the earth. Given up his privileges in heaven the one who is eternal, the one who is glorious, the one who is amazing, and yet he went to the cross humbly and sacrificially and did not even open his mouth to retaliate at all. In fact, he knew, Jesus knew that because of that, because he didn't deserve that, that he was the very candidate and the perfect Lamb of God and the only one that could fulfill that death on the cross and salvation for you, and salvation for me, and salvation for all who would call upon his name, and have faith, and trust, and, and believe in him, and call him Lord, because to the proportion that he may have deserved that sin, or that beating, or that chastisement, whipping, and the crucifixion on the cross, to the proportion that, to the direct proportion that he would deserve that, would have been the proportion that he wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to take that away for the sin of the world, because he would have rightly taken it upon himself. 
but because he didn't deserve it, it meant that he could take the sin of the world away for another, for you, for me, for the entire world, because he loved, because God loves the world. He sent his only begotten son, whoever believes him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What a humble God we serve. What a humble God we serve. You know, I'm just going to get a quick drink of water so I can feel my mouth dry. It took a bit longer to dry up than it usually does, which is good. I don't know if that's a fitness, Tom. Is that a fitness? <laughs> Tom's looking at me like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> I'm just trying to fill in the gap as I get a drink of water. But just a, just a personal account, you know, there's been times where I've had a devotion time or a, or a quiet time with God, and there's been times over the years where it's it's like I can it's like I can see God. You know, I can't I can't see Him physically. I, I can't envision Him physically. I can obviously envision Him in a particular way, but it's like I can see Him. And in that in that account, it's like He's high and lifted up, and He's high above my circumstances. He's high above the circumstances of the world, but as I see him, I just see the stillness. I just see him, and it's like he's not doing anything. He's just, he's just there, and he just, he just is, is who he is. And it's not, he's not exerting himself. He's not striving. He's not worried. He's not stressed. None of that. I just see him, and he is who he is, and it's like, he, he does because of who he is, you know. He does because of who he is. And because of who he is, he does. So everything that he does comes out of who he is. Everything he does comes out of the source of who he is. So when I see him in that place, when I see him high and lifted up, it's like peace exudes from him. Joy exudes from him, you know. Wholeness and healing exudes from him because he is whole. And, and all those things exude from him, um, uh, stillness, um, hope exudes from him, um, peace exudes from him because he's the prince of peace. You know, he doesn't need to do anything as such. He doesn't need to exude himself. He doesn't need to strive. He doesn't need to try and love because he is love. And, and this, is the, this is the God that we, we serve. You know, he doesn't have to, there's no dressing him up. There's no pretense to him. There's no... He is who he is, or more accurately in Scripture, he says, I am who I am. You know, he's the God who appears to work in the background. And I love this about God. I don't see God, he doesn't, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love doesn't parade itself. You know, he does, he's not showy. He doesn't often come with neon lights or anything like that. But he's a God who's humble and appears to work in the background and we often recognize his blessings and we often recognize his work in hindsight or retrospectively when we, we look back, we can see the fingerprints of God. We can see what it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. He seems to be in the background, but yet he's at the foremost and at, he's at the central part and he's at the forefront of all things. He is God with us, Emmanuel. He is with us, but he appears to be in, working in the background. He is 
a wonderful, humble God. He may even appear absent if it wouldn't be for us seeking him to find him. He may appear silent if it wasn't for us to seek him, to hear his voice, to know that he's very present and that he speaks to us. He may appear that he doesn't care until we come in relationship with him, until we read the scriptures and we find him and find that he cares for every detail of our lives and he cares, more importantly, for you and for I as a person. He's the humble God who appears to work in the background. I, could, I was just thinking, I could imagine it, that if we arrived at church this morning, and let's just say Jesus was um, in human form here, and he's not, but let's just say, before you chuck rocks at me or something, but let's just say he was in human form, and we were in the foyer, and we were about to come into the auditorium. It wouldn't surprise me if Jesus allowed every other person to come in to make sure they got their seat, to make sure they were cared for and taken care of. It wouldn't surprise me if he was the last person in. A perfect, holy, wonderful, majestic creator of the heavens and the earth, amazing God, and yet humble and lowly and cares about the humble and lowly things. What an amazing God we serve. Doesn't need to be dressed up, doesn't need to have pretense, doesn't need to be showy. He is who he is, and he is glorious, and he is wonderful, and he is amazing. You know, what is our response to this then? What is our response to this? Well, Jesus gives us a call. He gives us a call in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. He says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have an invitation from Jesus to to come to him, and in that I see two particular calls that he gives us. One is to learn from him, learn from him that he is actually his character, that he's lowly, and gentle in heart. Learn from him, and in that, we take upon his teachings. We abide in him. We connect upon him. We come under him. We we put our lives in him and, and connect with him, and we come under his teachings. We come under his word and his commandment, and he, and he calls us to do that. And he also calls us to learn from him that we can do that, and he is approachable because he is lowly and gentle in heart. The majestic God, the amazing God, the God who is high above all and yet is lowly and gentle in heart and calls us to come to him. And may I also add that I believe it's an invitation for us to do the same, to be lowly and gentle in heart and humble as we rely on Jesus, as we trust in him, as we put our faith in him, as we believe in him, as we rest in him. And as we do those two things, as we come under his teaching, as we abide and connect with him, as we learn what it is because he is lowly and gentle in heart, that we can be also in our disposition of heart and our posture of relying and trusting in him. The resulting factor is, is that we'll find rest for our souls. You know, circumstances and situations are what they are. We can still have stress We can still have worries and that. Let's just be real. But deep within, 
we can find a rest for our souls. And actually, if when we have friction and when we have that unrest, it's actually in some ways it's a blessing because it's an indicator of Jesus with that call to come a bit closer, to abide in him, to come under his teachings more, to come to that place of resting in him. It's an invitation to draw near to him as we have that friction, as we have that weariness and heavy ladenness within, as we have that unrest for our souls. All it is is Jesus crying out, come to me, take my yoke upon you, for I'm lowly and gentle in heart and you'll find rest for our souls. He's approachable, he's right there, He's not distant. He wants you to come to him. He's not scary. He doesn't have a big stick in the sky. He's not ready to call you out. He is lowly and humble and yet glorious. One of the most spiritual things I've recognized that I can do is after work, once I get home and and get organized and get changed and, and that sort of thing, one of the most spiritual things that I recognize I can do is go and play Lego with my son or go and do a project with him. He is not short of ideas on projects and he is not shy to delegate any responsibilities. <laughs> but it's interesting because in all honesty, and, and my son's um, in power zone, so I can say this, and I don't think he's going to watch the live stream. Um, he might. <laughs> but actually, it's probably the last thing I feel like doing, you know, is actually playing with him or doing something. Not, not in that sense, just because I'm tired and I'm, I'm worn out from work and that. But I know it's right. I know within me I've got this opportunity to invest that time before we have dinner and that. And as I do, the most amazing thing is I can go feeling worn out, feeling tired, feeling like, oh, okay. And then I go and do it, and it's, I, I find Jesus is there. I find that his presence is there. I find that there's life there. I find that I feel the pleasure of God and the smile of God over our lives because Jesus resides in the humble and the lowly things. He resides in our humble obedience to him. He resides in every detail of our lives. It could be doing a project in the garden. It could be a hobby that you do. It could be uh, a discussion with your, your neighbor. It could be a, a message. It could be cleaning up the dishes. It could be whatever it is. But there's life there. There's life there when we be do it in humble obedience to Jesus. And it's like, I didn't think there was life there. And then I step into it and I find there's life and there's, there's hope and there's, there's purpose there in those things because Jesus is there. And where Jesus is, there's life, hope, and purpose. And where, where Jesus is, see, what, what we kind of do is, in, in some ways, but where Jesus and his presence is, that's where the life is. That's where the hope is. That's where the purpose is. And I find I'm doing these things. I, I can't be, really be bothered, but I'm doing these things. I do it, and I find Jesus is there. And it's amazing, and it staggers me because he's the God of the heavens and the earth. He's the God who creates all things. He's the God who's eternal, who's created the stars and the universe. And he's so big and so majestic and so wonderful and so broad and vast, and yet he's in the humble day-to-day things. He's an amazing Savior. He's a wonderful Savior. And that staggers me, and that gives me hope because he can use someone like me. He can use someone like me and he can use someone like you because he cares and because he's in the day-to-day things. He's not just here as we come to church and preach. He is here in a wonderful way, but he's in 
every aspect of our lives. And that just, I get excited about that. I'm becoming like Tom. Because <laughs> every moment, every moment there's purpose. What a life to live. But it's almost backwards because we're like, there's not, we don't think this, but it takes faith to step into that. And we find that there's life there. <laughs> I just added this in this morning. It's not part of my notes. I'm sorry, Mel, I know you're hosting, and so the notes have probably not quite followed track here. But there's an example in the Bible, which one of my favorite pictures, where, where Jesus is in front of a multitude of people and they've followed him, and they've endured, and they're weary, and it's where that miracle happens, where that boy brings his lunch, and he feeds them with the five loaves and two fish, and multiplies that, and it says that he has compassion on, on them, he's moved with compassion, which literally means from within, and the language used there, it talks about his bowels being moved, but we won't use that in English language, because <laughs> that gives other connotations, but it talks about him having compassion, from, from within, and he's literally moved with compassion as he looks upon this multitude, and I can just imagine that you've got this family that's, that's just lost a loved one. You've, you've got this family that's got some financial difficulties. You've got this family, and he, he, he sees the multitude, yet he knows them by name. And later on, he, that, that, when that miracle happens, and it's like Jesus is like, not on my watch are they going to go away hungry. Not on my watch are they going to go away empty. And parallel to that, to the spiritual, actually, Jesus is like, not on my watch are you not going to be fulfilled when you follow me. Not on my watch are you going to go away hungry when you're humbly obedient to me. Not on my watch am I not going to sustain you and keep you and bring rest for your souls. And so I just want to encourage you that there's hope in Jesus, that he's approachable, that he's our humble saviour, that he, that he humbly went to the cross and died on the cross and rose again. He's alive, he's living, and he calls to you and calls to me to come to him and take his yoke upon him for his lowly and gentle and hard will find rest for our souls. And so I want to finish on that note. I'm going to pass it back to Tom. <laughs>